Lord Jesus, that's true. I don't even get what forever is. It's kind of beyond my comprehension. It's just that we understand because of your word that you existed from eternity past and you always will be eternity future and somehow we'll be with you. Those who've received you as your son, as personal savior, will be with you forever and it will be your kingdom. And Lord Jesus, you said to pray that your kingdom will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, your kingdom your kingdom come and your will be done. So may it be, Lord Jesus, may we live as people of your kingdom, you know, uh, with our feet here and yet our heads and our hearts somewhere else. We respond not to what we hear in the TV. May we respond to what we hear in your word. May we listen to not just the voices that are angry and clamoring, but God, may we hear Spirit's voice as you speak to us. We believe that you love us and you still have a relationship with us. And so that's why we've come. We want to celebrate who you are. Oh, Christ, we love you that you're a mighty fortress. You know, many of us really need that fortress to run to. Um, some of us find that you're the only fortress we really have. And you are enough. For those who are lonely, you are enough. For those who are angry, you are enough. Those who are heartbroken, oh God, you are a mighty fortress. So we will love you and we exalt you as best we know how. Help us do it better, I pray, oh Christ. We thank you for all of your blessings. God, we continue to pray for many things. We do pray for our, our brothers and sisters who are experiencing persecution because of their faith. And the same stuff we're doing here, God. And bless and encourage them, I pray. And Father, we would ask in your mercy, God, that this COVID thing would kind of be figured out or done away with would stop somehow, God, that we can get back to, we didn't know how good we had it, God. We didn't know how, how good connected was. So I pray that we would connect as well as we know how. And God, I pray for protection uh, for your people and also, God, for those who grieve. I pray your comfort. I pray for healing. So thank you now, Father, for your word. I pray that you would open it to us as you always do, God. We love you and we know you. And so, God, we just pray these things, believing you hear and answer. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning. We're glad you're here. Welcome. Uh, it's good to see you. Um, really, welcome back, man. Mark's here, you know. It's good to see you, brother. Welcome back. We're glad. Um, I don't know. Would some of you just want to praise God about something or for something today? Raise your hand and I'll bring the mic. Just actually praise God for who we first. Raise your hand. Barry. These are, is this, is this on? Mm -hmm. These are difficult, hard times that we live in in many ways. And yesterday I was thinking about Jesus, full of grace and truth. And from there I was thinking about, what's that verse in Hebrews 4 about the throne of grace? And I thought, I need to memorize that. And what I, Hebrews 4, 16. Um, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace 
to help in time of need. These these are time of need, and we need lots of grace. Yeah. And yeah. Hebrews chapter 4, God gives his terms whereby we can approach him. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Paul. Thanks. Yeah. Anything else? I'll stand while I can anyway. Um, just thankful for God's strength for six weeks in the hospital with COVID um, and recovering and patience uh, the day by day that he's with me. Obviously, all the help of my wife as well, but just thankful for God's mercy, his strength, um, and the wisdom. Thanks, honey. Thank you. It's great how you're back. I just like to thank the Lord for the um, awesome kids He sent to the sixth grade Sunday school. They're just a lot of fun. It's been a super blessing, and yeah, I just thank the Lord for sending them. Mm, I love to hear that. That's great. Thank you. Good morning. I got to thank the Lord and Pastor Robert for organizing. A bunch of men that dedicated and unselfishly came and loaded the orphan grain train for Liberia uh, Wednesday. So that was a good team, and we got it done. And we got to look at every day in our life. The Twelve apostles didn't have it easy. And if we have something go wrong in our life, just look at what they suffered. And we're not suffering that bad. And then you got to look at what Jesus Christ did. How many of us? We put ourselves on a cross for someone else. And that's why I look at every day how fortunate we are. For those of you who don't know, we sponsor Dennis and Vinny Agri, and they're doing a bunch of cool stuff, planting churches, doing schools, medical stuff, helping people find water uh, in, in Africa. And so once a year or so, we gather enough stuff, maybe every other year, and, and it, we put it all in a big trailer, and it ships over there. You know, so if you have a grand piano or something that you want to get rid of, we'll take off your hands. Huh? Roy can carry it on his back. <clears throat> Folks, many of you have done uh, anniversary stuff. And um, at an anniversary, typically, um, you will have a, a, a review. We've had a lot of good years together. You know, and I love you now in new ways. And I, I love you for the same thing I love you when we first married. And I, I remember what you still make me laugh and make me smile. I love being with you. you re review stuff, you know. And then also at an anniversary, oftentimes there's a renewal. And I'm still in. We've been in for 40 years. I'm in for, so Lori and Jim Petruska, they were coming up their 50th anniversary here pretty soon. And uh, we talked about that. So it's a renewal time, you know, like. I loved you then, and I'm going to love you now for the next 50 if God gives us 50 more. Right? So every anniversary, sometimes it's, it's a good thing to do that, to review and then to renew. So this is our anniversary. Every January, we kind of celebrate the, the time when our church kind of got together. And so every anniversary, we try and review some things that are really, really, really important with a view to renewing them. They're still important. So we've had five uh, values that we want to review. We do it all every year. So for those of you for whom this is old stuff, well, 
so was the year of, of marriage, right? We want to review it. So here are five W's. If you think of a tree, the branches that go up, that's the worship, right? So, oh God, whatever else we do, we're going to worship you well. And then the, 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 the roots that go down, you know, that's the word. The, the roots go down into the word. And so our heart, we want to make sure we talk about the Bible, not about public, uh, public events or personal opinions. God, help us get stronger in your word. Then the branches go out. <clears throat> Some branches go out this way. That's to the world. It's not about a holy huddle here. How do we make the gospel relevant and understanding? The gospel is relevant. How do we help the world understand the relevance of the gospel? Uh, that's the world. And then the other W is the uh, branch is the welcome. You know, once you receive Christ, man, you're part of our family. I mean, we want to love you well. And so we want to even know you and find ways to be with you and, you know, kind of celebrate life with you. And then Jesus talked about uh, branches. Branches often have nests, you know. They are, they're useful for something. That's the last W is work. So what good is a church? You know, what work do we do? So we help people move or give people food or whatever. So those are, those are our values. And I want to review the first one with you today. You know, we talk about love being the greatest. But I want to come back and, and review with you our, our five W's. And the first one is, is, is worship. You know, folks, many of us view worship as singing with emotion. And if we sing with a lot of emotion, that feels like good worship. You know, I think, I think singing is the way we express worship but I'm not sure that's all there is in worship. So I'd like to go back and, 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 and review with you what worship looks like and at least three elements of what makes worship good. So I'm going to give you three different passages of scriptures. We'll go there and look at those three different passages. That's all, just three. And so the first one is, is in, um, uh, Exodus chapter 3. And I think I like to talk about the first element of worship from Exodus chapter 3. It's on page 90 in your blue Bibles. Page 9-0, I'll give you two more ver uh, verses as we go along, but this is the first one. <clears throat> and it's a familiar uh, story to many of you. <clears throat> You've heard the story since you were probably in Sunday school, and, you know, it's a good thing to renew and review. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. And Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush doesn't Burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Okay. Now, I know you know the story, but let me go back and review it with you a little bit. So there was a, a time uh, when Israel ended up in slavery. I mean, I'm ashamed of our slavery we had in this country. Well, they had it in that in Egypt, where the Israelites were there 
And then the Egyptians said, how about you work for us without pay? We'll protect you and we'll feed you, but we'll just make you our slaves. And you, be, you just do whatever we tell you to do. And if you don't, we'll just kill you. Well, then they got to be too many. And they said, well, there's too many of you. So they decided to do, they were going to exterminate the Jews. I mean, that's happened before. But those who had little baby boys were to be thrown in the Nile River to be, to be killed. And they had a baby boy. Oh, no. And, and somehow God not only spared Moses, but the one who had a heart for him was Pharaoh's own daughter. And so she said, no, 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 don't, don't kill this little guy. I'll, I'll take him. He'll be mine. So he was uniquely spared. And then he grew up in the house of the most powerful person in the planet. There was nobody who was more powerful than Pharaoh. If he spoke it, you live. He spoke it, you die. He, he grew up there, and he learned there. He was educated there. And this is a cool thing. He never forgot he was Jewish. So he had Egyptian training, Egyptian garments. One day, and he had this sense of righteousness. One day, he saw an Egyptian beating up a Hebrew guy, a Jewish guy. He looked this way. He looked that way. He grabbed the guy. He took him behind the sand dune, and he beat him to death. Sense of right. You don't do that to my people. He was found out. Pharaoh said, you don't kill my Egyptians. I'm going to kill you. And so he ran. He's like, I'm out of here. And so God kind of supernaturally saves him now twice. Once he's being thrown in the Nile, once he's being killed. And now he ends up way in the... On the backside, he's all the way over to Midian. It's a long way away. But Midian had connections to Israel, and so there were, there were the priest. Uh, he actually went there. The same justice guy, I'm almost in trouble again. He went to a well, and a bunch of uh, women came with their sheep. And they were feeding their sheep until a bunch of men with their sheep came in, and they drove the, the lady's sheep away. And Moses is like, look, I just did this in Egypt. <laughs> I know what right looks like, and this ain't right. And so he he stopped that from happening again, and then they will come home to daddy, and daddy said, you want one of my daughters? I said, yeah, sure. So they stayed there for 40 years. Worked out pretty slick, you know? So the point being, take care of somebody else's sheep, you'll be good. No, that's not the point. <clears throat> now Moses has been here 40 years. He's 80 years old. He's on the far side of the desert. He's been there before. He knows shepherding. He's out there probably alone. Him and a sheep. There's like nobody else there. And he looks over, and I don't know, doesn't say, I'm guessing, I, in, in my, my mind, I, I think it would be night. He looks over and sees this bush burning. And, and uh, he's seen it before, you know, maybe like lightning strikes or whatever, you know, things burn. But this one just kept on burning and burning and burning, which is really, really interesting because God often reveals himself as the consuming fire God. But here he said, what made him go was the fire did not consume. And so it says, I think in verse 4, it says, yeah, um, he went over to look. No, verse 3. Moses said, I'll go over and see. Why isn't this thing burning up? Now watch this. If he had walked forward and said, yeah, it's a burning bush, cool. We don't know if God has spoken or not. But when he actually turned to go see then God spoke. And so when he goes, folks, our kids went to a big youth conference uh, last week or so up in Green Bay. And for many of them, that was their burning bush. 
they turned, and when they turned, many of your kids that you prayed for heard God's voice. Do you remember the last time you've heard it powerfully? I mean, maybe you say, no, I never have. But many of you say, on that camping trip, or at that time, or through that speaker, God speaks often when we turn. And then this really incredible things happen. You know, if I heard a bush say to me, Al, Al, I'm not sure I'd say, here I am. I'd say, who are you? <laughs> like, you know, like, how do you know my name? But he didn't, because he, he didn't know who he was yet. He still didn't know he was in the presence of God until the voice said, Moses, stop. I have boundaries. Don't come any closer. You've come as close as you will come, Moses. And then he said, Moses, take off your sandals. In that culture, uh, sandals were associated with dirt. And dirty sandals, I don't think so. Take them off, Moses. Stay where you are. And then it says, he said, I am the God of your father. For the first time, Moses gets it. Oh, my word. I am standing in the presence of a holy God. And do you see what he does next? At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look on the face of God. So my only point here, I think, this isn't about worship particularly, but I think part of our worship must be expressed in some kind of reverence and holiness. God says, I am holy. That's why I want you to be holy, because I am holy. And holy means completely set apart as other, you know, completely, totally. And so, because I'm holy, there's something sacred. So there's some things in the sacred you just don't do. You don't look at me, you know, like waltz and say, hey, God, I bet you're glad I'm here. No, you don't get it. If I do this, your life is gone. So when you approach me, it's all of Leviticus, all of Deuteronomy, when you approach me, you must do it in holiness and Reverence. Jim, could I have your permission to uh, publicly humiliate you just for a second? Yeah. yeah right, 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 right. So I got permission now. So I, I, never, I never want to forget this illustration, okay? So when Steve Boyd was here, he gave this illustration. I, I want you to feel what Jim feels, okay? I want you to kind of feel what Jim feels. So they were at the, uh, the tomb of the unknown soldier. And it said, approach in reverence and silence. And so everyone did. And so everyone walked quietly and reverently and respectfully at the tomb of the soldier. And then one guy's cell phone went off. And another guy's cell phone went off. And you could feel the whole atmosphere. Like, oh, until the guard with a rifle left his post. He walked up with his clicky boots, and in the presence of everybody, walked in front of the person whose phone went off and said, this is a sacred place. We will keep our phones on silence in a sacred and somber place. How'd that feel? Uh, pretty intimidating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of intimidating, right? I mean, 
Thank you, Jim, for letting me do that. I appreciate that. Um, God is loving, but he is not safe. He is holy. And he will be regarded as holy as we worship him. Don't you love that? So it doesn't mean that he's not loving and kind and generous. It just means that when they worship him, there's some reverence that we're in a place of holy ground. So that's the first piece about worship. When we worship privately or corporately, oh God, may we worship you as the sacred God who deserves way more than a flippant response or a casual, you know, like you're my great benevolent grandpa in the sky. I speak as a fool. The next one is, is Revelation 5, which is a whole different, well, it's, it's a related thing, but uh, Revelation 5, on the other side of the Bible, then, please. Um, Revelation 5. It's on page 1918 in your blue Bibles. And you'll feel this. Now, this is a picture in heaven. So John's having a vision of what's really actually going to take place in heaven someday. So you get this, this spirit absolutely true picture of what heaven's going to look like. And so, verse uh, 1 of Revelation chapter 5. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. Let me stop for a second. God is not more described than just that. I mean, he's, he's so holy. It's kind of like he's the one who sat in the throne. And in his hand, he held a scroll. You got that whole wrapped up, you know. And then they had those wax seals. There were six, you know, seven of them across the way. And he had it. And, and in verse 2, and I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth could not, or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. And I wept. And wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Don't weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. He is triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. And then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne encircled by four living creatures and the elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out onto uh, all the earth. And he came and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat in the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll 
and open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you've made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God. And they'll reign on the earth. And then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. And they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice, they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on all the sea and all uh, that is in them singing to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and they worshiped. Okay, so a couple things going on here, just so you get this whole setting here. So now, if you have it in your head, you should imagine something like a great white throne, or a great throne, and seated on it would be at least a, a reflection. We mean God is the Spirit, but the Spirit of God dwells there, and in His hand, He holds a great throne, a great scroll. And around Him are four living creatures, and they're unique, but one is in the shape of a lion, powerful. One is the shape of, a, of an ox, strong. One is the shape of a man. And one is the shape of an eagle. And they are before the throne of God all day, day and night, saying, holy, holy, holy. That's what they do, you know? And they have eyes all over the place. And, like, and then around them, there are 24 other smaller thrones. And on them sit the elders. And the elders are leaders, you know, like the, the guys who are in charge. And so he holds, who, who's worthy to take the, no one, no one is. And then someone says, wait, 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 wait. The lion is. So you look for the lion, but who do you find? A lamb. A lamb who looks like he was slain. So now you have this in my head, this lion, the lamb, this man who looks sheep-like and beat up, walks up and takes his hand. No one, no one would do this. He walks up to the throne. And he takes the scroll out of the hand of the one who sits on the throne. Everybody goes down. Holiness of God is like right there, right? Who in the world can do it? And it says, they say, the reason he can do it is because he's worthy. He's worthy. What made him worthy? It said, you were slain. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. What does that throne stand, or that scroll stand for? And the, and, the, and the seals, judgment. When they break that seal, the righteous judgment of God comes forth and people die. And you break open the next one, there's like, there's famine and there's like, you know, phew, the righteous wrath of God is revealed in those scrolls. So why is Jesus the one who's worthy to do it? Because he's the only one who experienced what? the righteous wrath of God. When he went to the cross, he experienced God's anger and wrath at man's sin. Boom! So he's worthy because he experienced it. He tasted it. And then he didn't just say, ah, I did that. With that, he set people free. He purchased, it says in verse 7, uh, well, uh, verse 9. Uh, you purchased men. Are you familiar with the ransom doctrine? R-A-N-S-O-M. Uh, 
where uh, we are held captive, held for ransom because of our sin. And unless someone pays the ransom to the one who holds us ransom, we remain captives. We're not held ransom by Satan. He's not big enough. We're held captive by God's own holiness. And unless someone satisfies that holiness, we remain captive to our own sin. And Jesus, on the cross, rescued us. Now, so you got all this, this reverence, like, whoa, whoa. But what I want you to see, on top of the reverence, so there's these elders, right? And they got bowls of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And, and they're jamming out on their heart, harps. You know, they got the harp thing. They all fall down. And then what do they do? Once they're falling down, what do they do? They begin to sing. Someone in that falling down position, some elder starts singing. And then another elder starts singing. And pretty, pretty soon you have all the leadership saying, worthy. And they're singing it. They're singing worthy, worthy. And then it says in verse 11, and then I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands. No, no, 10,000 times. You know, what are they saying? Worthy, worthy, worthy is the lamb who is lame, worthy. And then I heard every creature, verse 13, in heaven, and, and, and they're singing too. So everybody starts singing. Folks, one part of element is giving praise and glory to God with our song. Some part of worship is giving praise. So, I don't know, probably 25 years ago or so, um, I, with a bunch of guys, went here to Minneapolis. And we went to the Metrodome. And uh, I don't know if this is a lot or a little, but we had 65,000 men who were at the uh, Metrodome. You know, uh, and it was cold, as I recall. But I remember being somewhere up, up high in the Metrodome. And I remember hearing 65,000 men singing. A mighty fortress is our God. It rumbled right through me, baby. I was like in the presence of God. You know, I just stopped singing. Because all this mighty Powerful voices. They weren't like mamby pamby, you know, a bulwark never failing. That was only 65,000 guys. These were 10,000 times 10,000. Worthy, worthy, worthy. So, man, when we do worship, it should include reverence. But it should also include some expression of praise. Some expression of God. I love you so much. You are so good. So there are some classes that this church teaches that I'm not worthy to teach. I think I could add to it, but I'm not worthy to teach a grief class because I haven't experienced the grief that some people have. You have to have gone through it to teach it. And Jesus went through it, and so was worthy. So our response? 
has got to be one of wonder and praise. Like, God, you are the coolest, you are the coolest person, being God, I can possibly imagine. Will you renew your desire to worship him in spirit and truth? Will you kind of give up this weak worship experience where you kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if the guy's good, I'll engage. If he's not good, I'm bored. It's not about some guy. It's about the presence of God. There's one more verse, though. that we get. So usually I stop here. But there's one more verse I really want you to see about worship. And it's like, huh? How does it fit? So look back. This is the last one I'll go to. Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 1. It's on page 16, I'm sorry, 1763. 1763 in your blue Bibles. So this is going to be a New Testament thing to an Old Testament throwback. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, you're not Christians, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Huh. Well, this seems like a little more inclusive than just maybe a worship experience. So you know the, uh, the whole deal with the, the, the sacrificial system in the Old Testament. The deal is where people, had, they, they did stupid stuff and they felt guilty for it. And they were guilty. And God said, you're guilty. Uh, you're in big trouble. And so people would say, ugh. And says, he said, you got a lamb at home? Yeah, I got a lamb. Bring the lamb, your best lamb. It's going to cost me, exactly. Bring your best lamb. Bring it to the, to the temple. Lay your hands in the lamb. Confess your sin. And we'll take that as a sacrifice. And we'll offer that lamb now as a burnt offering. In your place. The lamb now gets what you deserve. And you walk away saying, I'm free. I'm forgiven. The lamb is not going back with you. Either someone will burn it or a priest will eat it, but it's, he says, so offer your bodies as living sacrifices. In Romans 6.13, it says, do not offer your, the members of your body as instruments for sin, but offer them as, as instruments for righteousness. So here he says, so what I want from you on a daily basis is I want every part of your body to be an offering. A sacrifice. Like, God, you can have it. You can have, you can have it. So, God, you can have my mind. I offer my mind as a sacrifice. I put on there all the stuff I'm mad about or all the stuff that's ugly or all the stuff that, you know, people hurt me or revenge. I offer it. It's dead. And what I want, God, is to think your thoughts. My mind can be like spun up about nothing. Father, I offer as a sacrifice. So make my mind creative like you're creative. You know, may I use my mind for, I don't know, creating curriculum or new songs or new video or new audio or 
you know, God, may I use my... God, take my ears. Some people have ears for gossip. I don't know, it just seems like people are talking about. I offer my ears, I offer the things that I listen to, my music and my podcasts, I offer them as a sacrifice. Some of you are so good. You hear with new ears. You can tell, some of you can tell, when someone says, good morning, how are you? You hear something of their soul. I don't know how you do it. You hear with living ears. God, take my eyes. There's just so much bad to see. I offer my eyes what I see and how I see it as a sacrifice, and I'm not wanting to take it back. And my hands. Some have used their hands and their minds to create kingdoms for themselves. They are workaholics, baby, because they know how to work. God, I offer my hands as a sacrifice. And if you want me to leave my six-figure job to go work to make pumps in Africa happen so people have fresh water, I'll go. Because my hands are yours. Take my feet. I want to go or not go work. This is an act of worship to give our bodies as an offering Sacrifice. That's an act of worship. God says, I like that. So, I have read this before, but Bippy's dad was 91. My wife's dad was 91 years old when he passed away. And this is the text that the pastor used to describe this dear man. He wasn't perfect in any way. But everyone who knew him said he lived his life as a living sacrifice. So he loved to sing. So wherever he went, he sang. And he would have seniors who would meet every Tuesday morning and they'd sing. And he one time led the chorus and he sang. And, and he was as strong as a horse. And so he would take these young kids out in the woods someplace and they'd go, let's go climb hills together, you know. And he was like crazy nuts and, 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 and they'd do crazy stuff. And then at the night he would just share Christ with all the kids who were there. And, and he gave his whole life to working at a Christian camp because it mattered for eternity. And so everyone who said, this is a man who looks to me like he's lived his life down, laid his life down as a living sacrifice. In my mind's eye, I have that now as a picture of this verse. This is attainable. You can do this. Here's what I want. Doesn't matter what I want. Here's what I think God wants. I think he wants you to worship him in holiness and reverence and honor. I think God wants you to love him like crazy. So when you sing, man, you are just, you're singing about him and you're singing to him. You know, like, man. And when you live, when you leave here, I think he wants you to just live your life as though it's his. Because it is. Those are acts of worship that I just wanted to remind you of. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, 
you are worthy. You are so worthy to receive glory and honor and power. Thank you for what you've done. I confess, Jesus, I'm sorry for my tepid worship. Sometimes I confess, I just don't give you what you deserve. But I'm not, I'm sorry for that, but God, what I really want to do is re-engage. You know what? Help us be still and know that you are God. Help us imagine you as in our mind's eye as the one who sits on the throne with, with a mighty scroll in his hand and one who is both a lion and a lamb comes to take it out of your throne, your hand. And, and God, tomorrow, 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 may I be your sacrifice as I offer you all that I am all I have. Lord God, we love you so much. Who are we that you'd even choose to call us what you have? You invite us to come and to worship and to know you. So we, your people, we gladly come. We gladly come and kneel your feet and then sit in your lap because you're holy and you love us both. We honor you, O Christ. Thank you for going to the cross, our perfect sacrifice. We worship you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.